This is episode 161 with Matt Griggs. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on your impactful journey. Matt Griggs is a super connected, humble and impactful soul. He's certainly understanding the human experience from the perspective as an energetic being having the human experience. Griggsy, as he's also known as, is a holistic high-performance coach for deep-minded, high-performance people across business, sport and life. He's coached and worked closely with world surfing champions such as Mick Fenning, Taylor Wright and Steph Gilmore and various other Australian high-performance sporting teams and athletes. He's an internationally renowned speaker, published two bestsellers and a former professional surfer himself. Driven by his personal fascination with spirituality and philosophy, Griggsy quit his job on the World Surfing Tour in 2008 and spent four to five years in quiet contemplation in the Royal National Park just north of his home in Sydney. For half a day, every day, Matt explored the nature of life, success, the detachment of suffering, and how to live a life of high performance without compromising yourself in the process. This, coupled with his experience in the world of elite performance, would become the inspiration for his programs around the nature of success. Matt is also the director of Keeley Foundation Australia, which is a unique understanding and training of the mind via meditation that helps people detach from disharmonious thoughts and emotions and open their natural ability to its pursuit point, purest point, sorry. So Matt Griggsy, as we know him, he's got a 360 degree view of performance programs and methodologies that it all begins with self-awareness. And this is what we spend the first half of the podcast really diving deep into is that deeper self-awareness and the Keely meditation approach. It's super intriguing. It's a fun inner exploration of how Griggsy sees the world and how he helps other world champion athletes and people like you and I who are thriving, striving to thrive in all areas of life to live our best lives through this holistic approach. We also discuss how to stay in alignment as busy entrepreneurs, parents, and partners, why you must do work on your mind if you choose to live this life, how Keely meditation can help you experience your best life, how to detach from fear and stop letting it hold you back. We talk about belief systems and how they're limiting us and so much more about minimizing stress and maximizing your life's performance. You'll find all of Griggs's information online at mattgriggs.com.au. 
M-A-T-T-G-R-I-G-G-S.com.au. And he's found as Matt Griggs on LinkedIn, Instagram, and as Matt Griggs Coach on Facebook. Stay connected with him because he has some great events coming up and he shares great connected value online. I also did a fun bonus question with Griggsy at the end of this episode on Instagram Live and just a bit of a hint, it was about him <laughs> him and Mick Fanning being tied together for a night out. <laughs> Hilarious story. When I put that on Instagram, Mick saw the the live and he messaged me afterwards and he said, ha, 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 too funny. That was a funny one. So if you missed the live, that's okay. You can jump onto my Instagram at brettrobo one and I've saved it on my Instagram TV. And if you're keen to get more free resources from me on breathing, uh, mindset training, breaking through the fear of failure, fear of judgment and procrastination, or another one I've got just recently is the three key areas that busy entrepreneurs and leaders are focusing on to give them more quality time and energy, better relationships and thriving businesses or careers. All free resources that you can get. You can find that on my website, brettrobbo.com or check out my social media pages and if you follow me there, you'll see where I'm releasing it there. I'm also doing a newsletter where I share more free value and resources So you can join that from the website or by accessing any of those free resources mentioned above. If you're having trouble finding any of them or you just want to say g'day, just reach out. Send me a message on social media or shoot me an email. I love hearing from you legends. Okay, time for the show. Now let's hear from the legend himself, Matt Griggs. All right. Who is Matt Griggs? (laughs) Uh, a human being experiencing life. How well do you know who Matt Griggs is? Like paddling to the horizon. <laughs> uh, the closer you get, I wouldn't say the further it is away, but it eludes, but the journey is no less beautiful, right? Um, yeah, I feel like I'm getting closer and closer, yet becoming humbled with how far there is to go. I think you are very humble in that because what I know about you is that you have a lot of clarity on, on who you are. And I know that you help other people have a lot of clarity on, on who you are as opposed to what you do. And I love that even though you didn't dive into who you are as a person, you also didn't respond with what you do, which is what most people would respond to when asked, who are they? Yes. Well, there's a big difference between, you know, um, what you do and who you are as you've probably realized from some of my work, we have a doing nature, as you alluded to, but then there's a being nature, you know, where you are human beings. So for sure, we can, people can get preoccupied with the, um, the doing part of us and, 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 and seek too much importance in that, which is not quite as fulfilling as the being part. So yeah, my work and certainly my, even my personal endeavors are much more grounded in the being part. And that this is what drives the doing anyway, because if, if you're being wise, you'll do good things. If you're being present, you know, you will be efficient. If you're being aware, you will see what to do and you'll get it done in a harmonious way. So it, it's very important to stay grounded in the, in the being part. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask. How important do you think it is that people 
really get a great understanding of, of who they are in terms of their empowering and disempowering mindsets of their empowering and disempowering habits and taking radical responsibility for their thoughts, feelings, and behaviors and doing the inner work to know who they are and who to show up as, as their best version. Yes. A lot, uh, firstly, most are living very distracted. Um, if we, if we simplify life in, in the, in the fact that there's just you and everything else, yeah, like so the everything else is is what you're conscious of and that's people, places and things. So it is important to understand people because, you know, to be harmonious with our fellow human beings. If For me, I'm a coach, so it's important that I understand the human condition, understand how people work um, and certainly important to understand things, you know, because we use things. We're using a thing right now to communicate. So the more we understand about people, places and things, the better. But this this is the second point of our attention and, and what we're really conscious of. The subject is is us, you know, and, and, and this is where I feel like it's, uh, you know, school misses the point and, and, and too many people, not through their fault, you know, we're just not taught properly, um, miss the point. The subject here is, is you as an individual. Um, so it's important, I feel, in anyone's development that we, we take time to understand um, what it is that we're working with and have a great relationship with life, you know, in, inclusive of the people and the places and things. Um, but it's hard to have a good relationship if, if you're not in a good place yourself. So at some point we have to direct our attention inwardly and, and understand um, the one common denominator between you and everything else. And that's you and how you're perceiving the world and how aware you are of the world or how not and, and taking, as you say, radical responsibility for your own life because who else can walk it and who else can understand it. Um, and the reality is the more you learn about yourself, the more you learn about outward things anyway, you know, in all understanding happening happens uh, within. So it's um, very important that, you know, if, if anyone's interested in, in performance or just personal development that they, they spend that time within. What is the best way to to start that or to even to maintain that if people have already started that inward journey? Yeah, well, it's, it's first, you know, where there's a will, there's a way, right? So it needs to start with the will to, to, to look inwardly and to start to realise that um, um, their state of mind is, is uh, or their mind is, is got to be more important than what it is that they're doing. Um, so we need a way to understand the mind and we need a way to, to uh, harmonise the mind or to bring it in, into harmony. So, you know, first of all, just spending time alone is so important because when you're with the world, you'll learn more about the world. Of course, you know, like if you're with a person, as long as you're paying attention, right. Uh, you will learn more about them. If you're in a place, you'll learn more about that place. Um, but when you're alone with your own thoughts is when you learn more about yourself. So uh, a simple act like meditation and contemplation is a, is a great um, segue or opening into self-awareness and self-understanding. And on the meditation, I know that you're heavily invested and a big believer in and a teacher of Keely meditation. Tell us about what is Keely meditation and how does that work for us? Uh, well, first of all, let's understand what meditation is because meditation in its, in its original definition means to be at one. Um, <clears throat> so if we are, our mind is to be at one point of awareness, we, we can't be thinking about something else. Uh, and this is where there's a, a lot of um, confusion and, and um, you know, while there's some amazing techniques out there that are good for the nervous system and good for health, in actuality, they become concentration exercises because you're actively focusing on something else. Now there's two, 
there's what you're focused on and there's where you're focused from. Remember, there's just you and everything else in this life. So if you focus your attention on something else, it becomes an active doing process, a concentration exercise. So where Keeley differs is it becomes a, a pure meditation technique. You, you, you train your mind to be still at one point. And when you are still, you're not looping through anything you know, what people would call rumination or, or not being able to let go of negative thoughts. So this is where you develop self-control and that word that has eluded so many, but is the, the root of all suffering attachments. Um, you learn detachment and this is how, um, uh, compartments, which we can get into later or, or you know, trauma or uh, misunderstandings or non-understandings that have affected your life experience um, and have manifested as inefficient behavioral traits can be uh, dissipated. And in that way, Keely differs because not only do you have this, which is only five minutes, a meditation technique, which is based in stillness of mind. Very difficult to do because you, 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 you anyone can think, right, but you've got to learn to stop it um, and learn to feel. And when your mind is still at one point, not only do you learn detachment, you learn self-control. And when there's no distraction, because you're not thinking about something else, what you feel is you. Hence, you grow in self-awareness. So it's a very simple technique based in stillness of mind. Um, and via this, you learn so many benefits. You know, it starts with less brain chatter and just continues with um, higher focus and self-awareness. And, and, you know, it just keeps going from there. That's the start. That sounds bloody hard. To everyone listening to, to master, and you said it's only five minutes, so the five-minute Keely meditation, what's the the goal of it then? Because I've explored a few different types of meditation, and to be honest, the best one that works for me is focusing on the breath, which is like what you said, I'm still, I'm not silencing the mind, then I have a focus point, and yes. focusing on the coherence breathing and coming back to that when I'm trying to quieten my busy mind. So how how do we master have you mastered can you master keely meditation to actually <laughs> silent the mind um well, i've been doing it over 15 years and i still haven't had a perfect practice just to be humble um i've had long moments of stillness that's for sure and but i've had amazing benefits in my life that's that is without doubt and and seen so many with the people that i teach so universally um so the the, the fact of the matter is, is we're talking about state of mind right which is a being process so when you focus on the breathing, you're doing something. It's not a being um, activity. It's not a being um, exercise. It's a doing exercise. Now, let's um, – I don't want to diss it because breathing is so important. I wake up and do breathing exercises every morning, um, but I don't um, I don't call it meditation. I call it a breathing exercise. It, it increases um, – you know, my pH levels go more alkaline. I create more white blood cells. I, I flood my system with oxygen and I circulate it. This is great for my immune response. It's great for energy, for healing, things like that. But it, it's not going to show me who I am. It's not going to to help me with self-awareness. And it's certainly not going to help me lose my shit, <laughs> you know, because uh, in this way, self-development, personal development, performance, spirituality, enlightenment, whatever you want to call it, growing um, is not just about learning what it is you don't know, becoming more aware, but about losing um, bad habits and about losing any fears that are unnecessary, losing um, that which holds us back, the misperceptions, the non-perceptions, all the self-created realities that, that create suffering in our life. Um, unfortunately, breathing doesn't touch any of that, but it's still a great exercise. So do you believe that the only thing that does touch that is to actually truthfully silence the mind for periods of time 
you, the, the pathway of humanity is to, to, unfortunately, is to learn via suffering, right? Because, you know, I get asked sometimes, why is it we learn so much more from um, losing than winning, you know, like in the world of elite sport? It, really, it shouldn't be that way. It's just that losing makes people pay attention more. So is it the losing or is it the fact that you're just paying attention? So let's let's get to the point. It's 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 paying attention that we that we learn. Um, now, while we will, everyone will end up getting there, you know, uh, whatever you want to call that there. But uh, what the Keeley can do and what stillness of mind can do is is um, is accelerate that journey where you can um, pay attention and 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 sense for yourself if you're going down a, a pathway that is not going to be wise and not going to be good, and move with conscious awareness, which is the, one of the first principles of Keely meditation, conscious awareness. If you are consciously aware, you know what you're doing while you're doing it. So you wouldn't perpetuate or, you know, certainly start any kind of negativity because then you're going to create suffering. So if you can uh, become more consciously aware via a practice like stillness of mind, um, and certainly the Keeley does that, then um you can start to have that self-control of whatever it is that you feed in your life consciously, you know, because whatever you feed grows, right? And you can also have self-control on what on, on what you starve. Um, but let's let's be honest, Robbo. Uh, people are very reactive, and 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 they they react very quickly to things, but not with conscious control, not with the self-awareness of what they're getting into. How many times have you just been in a conversation and someone just jumps in, you know, without awareness and and um, and without point? So when you get to one pointed stillness, you get to this point of awareness, and and the more you get to this point, and that's the whole goal and discipline of Keely meditation. Um, not only, as I said earlier, do you learn detachment and do you learn self-awareness, but you just begin to move with point and this speeds up your evolution and certainly accelerates your, your personal growth. When, when I hear you say then that people are reactive and you gave a very, um, very nice example of the reactivity, but I think <laughs> a lot of people are a bit more reactive in terms of emotionally reactive where there's the angry outburst, there's the, there's the blame, there's the shame, there's the guilt, there's those kind of things. And I'm really interested about understanding how we direct blood flow and attention to different parts of the mind, understanding that we're operating more from the amygdala when we're emotionally reactive like that, as opposed to logical aspects of parts of the prefrontal, prefrontal cortex. To put it really simply, obviously the, the mind and the brain is so complex, but those kind of things interest me. But I know that you also have a lifetime of experience in high-performance sport and I'd love to know how this or any of your approaches around the mind kind of works in terms of uh, how it really helps the elite athletes, the people at, that are at their best that are looking for those 0.01 percenters. Is it helping them become more aware of their surroundings and get into flow state quicker or easier or better? Is it to eliminate their reactiveness so they're not jumping into the stress fight or flight states when they don't need to? What What's kind of the big key that you find elite athletes are getting from this kind of work? Yeah, it's, it's the mind for sure because um, the, our performance, our health, our energy roughly follows that 80-20 principle where 20% of our energy and 20% of our performance is relative to the second point things, you know, food, processes, equipment, breathing, 80% is state of mind and most people's training nowhere near reflects that. So when we talk about 0.01% well, there's 80 
Mm. <laughs> it's a pretty big jump. So when you see people that are already doing well and they haven't really done much time on the mind yet, oh, man, there's some potential. So um, when you look closely too, you'll see, because we talk about, you know, the, the, the different areas of the brain and stuff like that and, 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 and how the chemistry is affected by whatever state you're in, it's, I feel it's very important for people to realize that the, the chemistry is the second point of the mind because we have the mind-body connection, right? Um, the mind precedes the body. So fight or flight um, is a, res a fear response. The response is, is cortisol and adrenaline, but what preceded that was fear. And how many times do people feel fear when it's not necessary? Mm -hmm. Fear of failure, you know, which, which might present as nerves. Fear of not having control, which might present as anxiety. Fear of not being good enough, which might present as depression. The list goes on, but it's always fear that's at the bottom of, of, of this kind of psychological dysfunction. If it's a physical fear, that's different. You know, if you're in danger, you've got fight or flight for that. But how often are you actually in danger? You know, I mean, for a, a, a big wave surfer, yeah, maybe, you know, and I was talking to one of them this morning, a professional big wave surfer and, you know, about his strategy for managing adrenaline, you know, because that's a big dump in the system um, and to not use it unnecessarily because it's very taxing on the immune system. It'll age you before your time, very unstable energy. And it compromises not only cognitive performance, but also athletic, right? Because you don't have the feel. So if you've done anything before in elite sport, whether it's surfing, football, anything, it doesn't really matter. Imagine yourself in the act of that game and, uh, Imagine yourself with a lot of energy and, you you know, whether it's overexcitement, whether it's uh, uh, anything that might be producing some kind of energy and you uh, excessive energy in this case. And what you'll notice is um, the more excessive your energy becomes, the more it blocks feeling. And don't we say the best in the world have a feel? Mm. They have such a good feel for the game or even in the corporate world, which is most of my work these days, they have a good feel for the room. If your ego has been triggered or if you've got lots, lots of energy and you have to prove yourself, you're not reading the room so well. So we can talk about the dialogue or, you know, and, and, and how the dialogue could have been improved. But really what we need to do is go back and say that was a fear-based response. How do we uh, radically um, alleviate or in this case detach from fear unless you're actually in present physical danger. So if it's a physical danger, it'll trigger fight or flight. If it's a mental one, it'll trigger our ego. So and you can ask whatever you want on that one. <laughs> so yeah, I and we could dive in many places. I think a big thing that comes up for me though is around um, the real fear and the perceived fear and then kind of breaking through that. And that's a a lot of the work that you see is because like, actually, let me just put it this way. Talk to me about the detachment of fear in a little bit more detail then, because everyone listening will experience fear and probably more so the perceived fear, like what you said and the way that it plays out, fear of judgment, fear of failure, uh, fear of not good enough. Yes. Um, well, it's, these are um, self-created fears. So I would put them more in conceived Um so you alluded earlier um, about the brain and the mind, and this is another 
part of the terminology of the Keeley is a clear distinction and a clear definition on each. The, the brain is more like one of these things that we're on right now, a computer uh, full of information and programs. Um, it has a thinking nature, analyzation, stores all that data as memory. And as coaches, we need to uh, delete old programs, right, that don't work because uh, so many of us have been taught wrong, you know, knowledge-wise, technically-wise, if it's surfing or something like that. So there needs to be uh, some reprogramming or rewiring of the brain. Um, so the brain is where all the programs are and the brain has a doing nature, you know, they're all algorithms and systems of action, whereas the mind is more in feeling and emotion. Um, and where deeper states of innate knowing, intuition and perception is experienced. And we think what we don't know and we feel what we do because if you really knew, you wouldn't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. So if you want to get into deeper flow states and you'll notice that you're always at your best when you're not thinking, you need to access feeling because, I mean, it would be – it's a very important – you know, if you're going to have a life of high performance or just some kind of effectiveness to have some kind of intellectual uh, um, ability. And uh, it would be problematic not to be able to think, right? But it would be more problematic not to be able to feel. So what the Keeley does is, is it, it helps people become more consciously aware. So you know what you're doing while you're doing it. You clear the surface of the mind, which is another reference point in the Keeley of, of uh, where it's your point of reception from the outside linear physical world and the inside abstract nonlinear world of emotion, uh, where you make decisions and where you uh, observe the world. And you've got a clear viewing platform now and fear and, and these trained responses because people, they we can have a, a an experience that just triggers a trained response, like an automated reaction. And the brain, because it likes to save energy, will just go to this trained reaction, but it's not always the wisest one. So we, we don't want the brain to lead. We want the mind to lead. If not in mind, you're out of your mind, right? So the Keeley helps people uh, calm through brain function where automated, uh, you know, almost robotic at times behaviors can, can run the show devoid of feeling and help you um, uh, and also detach from fear and we'll double back to that in a moment um, and open up to mind function which uh, as I say from a more neutral place senses as an objective observer um, and gets into that flow state because the mind has no concept of time only your mind meeting experience that's the place we get lost in in our art and the place we get we're not lost found really in, in our craft is we're in the zone and we're in this flow state. So if we want to access that flow state, we can't have the influence of fear because that's going to compromise performance very quickly. Um, and we certainly can't have excessive brain chatter and, and overthinking um, uh, that's going to block performance as well. Uh, so if everyone looks closely, they'll, they'll, and if they're um, humble, they'll realize their biggest uh, adversary in life is fear and their own fear within. And that's part of the, the journey forward is, is you don't have to get on a white couch and, you know, like fess up of whatever it is that, you know, you fear. It's, it's more about sitting alone with your own thoughts and, and, um, and being honest with yourself and, and learning to become strong mentally. And the greatest mental strength is being fearless. Brilliant. I've, you mentioned earlier too about winning and losing and I've heard you say before that when you were a young athlete, you didn't like the feeling of losing like most athletes don't. 
athletes <laughs> don't. But you also didn't really like the feeling of winning. Talk to us about that um, and and what that sort of entails because most people wouldn't really understand that. Oh, it turned me into a monster, <laughs> an egotistical monster. That's what it did. Like looking back, uh, it did, you know, for the, there's ego got, uh, took, took over there for a little while with me. Um, so the, the, I, I have like quite a lot of sensitivity. So I, I would, um, uh, the, the ups and downs of winning and losing were, were, were quite difficult for me. Um, I, I, suspect everyone to varying degrees because we live in a world that um, perpetuates um, the judgment of that which they can measure, you know, which is what you place in a, in some kind of competition because we live in such a competitive world and because the world perpetuates, you know, the importance of winning and, you know, we, we tend to try to avoid losing and, and we can base our self-worth on some of this and base our, our happiness on some of this. And, um, uh, you know, I, I fell for that and, and it took a lot of self-study and a lot of like help from my mentor to get out of that world. And I mean, I'm still in that world to a degree, but I just have a very much more harmonious relationship with competition and, and with, um, I guess, competing or, or um, growing. Um, but yeah, I, I had trouble. If I won, it would sort of feed my ego and, you know, I'd puff my chest and, you know, try to show the world how good I was and... <laughs> Um, what an idiot. And then if I lost, I would feel depressed, you know, and I just, I would, I can remember being in countries overseas. And if I lost in a man, I would, you know, I think, how am I going to explain this to people? You know, that I'm, cause I felt like a loser. I think I heard it summed up really well once and, and I've been in high performance sport my whole life too, but the saying of the best athletes are the ones who when they're in competition mode, they can switch into the mindset that nothing else matters. And then when they're away from competition, they can switch into the mindset that competition doesn't matter because then they can drop the ego of it and live as self, as opposed to live with the identity that I am the athlete and therefore I am damaged if I lose or I am filled if I'm if I, filled with the ego, if I, if I win and, I wanted to hear you talk about it because my good mate, Kurt Fernley, uh, he, he often said that I don't like, I didn't like now that he's retired, but he used to say, I don't like the person that I am leading into a major competition, but I know that that's who I have to be to be the best in the world. And what he meant by that was he would eliminate distractions of other people and he, he kind of sheltered within himself. That was his way of dealing with it to to not be his usual outgoing self and socialize and um, have the the laughter and the conversations and everything in those final days or hours leading into the competition um, but he said that was the way that I had to be to be the best in the world when you can race a whole marathon for hours on end and it can come down to one split second in the end he said any distraction was any small distraction could be a major distraction and the difference between winning and losing yeah a great conversation um robbo because i don't think there's many precedents of where we're about to go you know in conversation here um if we don't know where we're going we will revert to memory and his experience tells him he has to get into character mm. you know what i mean and this is where we we change our hat 
you know, to be the the husband, and then we change our hat to be the competitor, and then we change, and then but we we keep changing ourselves like a chameleon to to suit our environment. Um, for me, that and, and what I've tried to um, understand and 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 bring in in the teaching and in the coaching is to. Um, bring self-understanding, bring that self-expression to everything that you do where you don't um, uh, have to be something or do do it in a way that is uh, compromised because let's face it, there, there, how many people in elite sport that have uh, reached a very high level um, of sport have also reached a very high level of life? Can you tell me any? Do any come to mind for you? Can't think, can't think of any. Um, it, it, obviously, this depends on some definitions of what quality of life is, etc. But I think that's a humbling statement to first of all realize that we're all humans and that we all have struggles and that we all life's not easy. Whether you're, you know, a, a professional athlete or whether you're not, um, no one's immune to that. You know, so what we can do though is is not. Um, go down the pathway of, of post-career depression because you've put all your um, self-worth in, in, you know, your ranking or in your publicity or in how people see you or the monster, the hat you've created um, because it, it's a self-created reality. It's something that you became or, or had to uh, create to achieve something you wanted to achieve. And then you, you, if you lose yourself in the process, what have you gained? So I feel like the the, the performance of the future has to be about keeping your own unique form of self-expression and doing it in a way where people will admire you, A, for what you have done, which let's face it is the shallow end of the pool, um, but more importantly, admire you for who you are as a human being because so many people, there's so many examples, Robbo, isn't there? And it's really sad that they get to the end of their careers and they experience depression because all of a sudden the lights aren't on them anymore or, or, you know, the, the adrenaline associated with the winning and losing or, you know, all that has gone away. So all that's left is them. And now we get back to this primary and secondary point relationship. If someone's put so much time in the second point of, of their development, like in, in what they do, then they, they miss the point in who they are. And then when what they do goes away, they're left with who they are. And if they don't like who they are, then they get depressed. So this has to be part of um, if we're going to experience and mesh, you know, high performance with enlightenment, which is um, what I'm trying to understand myself and bring about, uh, we, we have to um, uh, bring more awareness to the table and, 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 and self-understanding um, and, and not ever let what you do become more important than who you are as a person. And uh, is there many precedents of that? I don't know. I really don't. But let's go there. Let's try. You know, like if I would rather move forward into something that feels better than to revert to memory of something that doesn't, a model like for me of, of the crash and burn cycle, the up and down of winning and losing, um, you know, it's, uh, it's vicious. And when you said the word enlightenment, I realize why no one comes to mind when we think about the that aspect of the athlete because before that I was thinking, what about someone like a Steph Gilmore who is, you know, pretty relaxed and, uh, a very happy and fun kind of person out of competition and seems to take that into her competition as well. Her yeah. Competitive nature. 
Yeah, I think she's she's closer to the point than most, for sure. Yeah, she's um, she actually came up in conversation yesterday because I was teaching a group, a surfing group in this case, and and you know, like saying what, the ocean and waves are a beautiful thing, and they deserve to be ridden beautifully. Mm. You know, and and Steph's a good example of that. She's very graceful, so I'm always interested in these universal principles of uh, grace because she's graceful not only in the ocean but also on land you know so she's she embodies that and it's part of who she is so she doesn't suffer in that area um she's done enough self-study and enough uh in, in you know self-understanding to know that that works for her and that's part of her self-expression so if someone says you know do a big dirty cutback she's gonna say no i don't that's not me <laughs> um you know or do something that compromises you know her philosophy or how she likes to live so um yeah, I agree. She's, she, she does um, live and surf with a lot of grace and, and um, seems to have found a, a, a fairly good balance, you know, but this is outside looking in, you know, you would probably have to speak to her directly. Mm. And I did, I've had her on the podcast uh, towards the end of last year and, you know, hearing her and a lot of the conversation was actually directed around the genuine authenticity as opposed to like what you mentioned before, trying to think of all the different hats to put on in front of the sponsors. Well, who do I be in front of the kids? Who do I be out there in the surf competition? Uh, and she seemed to feel pretty relaxed in the fact that she didn't really have to take hats on and off. She just showed up and went by the feeling like what you said, the, the saying there that you said, uh, think what we don't know, but we feel what we do know. And going by that feeling aspect, I think is really powerful. Yeah, she's all feel. Like, oh, you know, she's she's not too heady. You know, I, I've I've done a bit of work with Steph over the years, and and um, yeah, she's admirable, easy to work with. I've taught her the practice, and and um, yeah, she's uh, she doesn't need to get too heady. She's got a really good feel. Like before, I was talking about when someone has too much energy. You know, like whether mm. it's over excitement or nerves or. You know, like in sport, I guess we call it arousal levels. You can be over aroused where you 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 trying so hard, you're getting in your own way. Mm. Um, this is grace. It's this point in between, right, where you're not getting in your own way, but you're also very present and paying attention. Um, you know, not asleep at the wheel. So, to me, that's a a, um, a good characteristic, not just in in performance, but also in in character, the way you are with people. You know, you don't run over the top of them you have a good relationship, you know, it's, um, it flows. You said there that you taught her the Keely practice. I know that you worked with Mick and through one of his world title wins. Is that something that you did with Mick back in those days? No, that was a lot. That was quite a long time ago now. Like that, um, his first title was in 2007. I, I, we, that was the year or the year before I started learning the Keely, but I wasn't teaching it yet. So, you know, we were, more doing our thing across this holistic performance aspect. But I, I didn't start teaching the Keeley until um, a couple of years after that. Um, so uh, he's learned it and he's had sessions with the founder, Ron Rathbun, who's in California. And um, so he's very much aware of it. Um, but yeah, Steph's learned it. Tyler has been doing it for a long time. Um, yeah, there's many people out there doing it. And benefiting from it, obviously. And most people come to you for coaching on surfing or uh, other teams do as well or the, the meditation practices or like you said, you do a lot of work in the, the corporate world. 
for holistic development, but mate, I would love to uh, hit you up. I want your coaching on being a, a father of two, a connected <laughs> husband and an entrepreneur running your own company with many different uh, things pulling you in all different directions, many different legs to your company and, and fitting it all in and staying in alignment. I'm now a father of two. My firstborn, Ollie, is almost two years old and my newborn is almost one month old. So I'm still kind of uh, breezing through the, I shouldn't say breezing, still kind of within the baby bubble. But I look to people like you for inspiration in, in that way to one, to show me life goes on beyond the baby bubble. <laughs> no, but, but really too, to, and I have a lot of parents listening who are busy entrepreneurs and we all want to improve our, you know, our health and our relationships. And I look to someone like you who from the outside looking in, my perspective is that you live in alignment consistently. I can't say that you live imperfectly because I don't think anybody does, but how, what's, what are your sort of key things that, that you make sure you do your practices to ensure that you are living in alignment as that proud and connected husband and father and impactful entrepreneur? Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a pretty solid self-care program. Um, so I wake up quite early in the morning because I, I like that time alone. So this morning I was up like maybe quarter past four or something like that. Um, yeah, I do um, my meditation practice, you know, five minutes of Keely meditation. Um, and then I'll do some journaling, you know, in my journal on, on what I'm learning about life and where I'm, what I'm realizing, you know, any documenting, any realizations and trying to, um, um, uh, I guess, um, uh, bring them into more understanding, um, as well as being humble with where I've, I've, I haven't been good, you know, like if I, uh, life will sort of show you where you, where you, you aren't good enough yet. And this is where we, we sort of, I think all need to get our ego out of the way and realize well, that's okay. Just get better you know, whether it's as a dad or whether it's as a coach or whatever. So I'll, I'll do some time on journaling, you know, like my realizations, but also my shortcomings so I can learn from them. Um, uh, and then I'll do a few rounds of Wim Hof breathing. Um, then I'll uh, do some kind of movement, you know, I'll, I'll, it might be a stretch. It might be some yoga. It might be some primal movement, but I'll do somewhere between 20 to 30 minutes of that. Um, and then I'll make myself a bulletproof coffee and I'll sit on the balcony if there's no waves, <laughs> if there's waves, I'm probably thinking about surfing now. Um, and I know I've still got an hour before the family get up. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I'll go for a surf and just get some exercise done and just, just do things that I feel like are, are enjoyable and, and things that I'm attracted to in my own personal experience of life. And then when, you know, the family get up, I, I, I make sure I have time with all them every day. And, um, I try to stay connected to what's most important and the, the way to keep in alignment, you know, for me is you, you're going to align with something, you know, what is it that you're aligning to and, and realize that there's a point of attraction of where you're aligning from. So, Again, there's what you're working with and where you're working from. So do the time in self-awareness so you know who you are. You know what kind of person you are. You know your own unique form of self-expression of, of uh, how you want to live this life and what's important 
important to you so that when you make decisions, they become a bit of a guiding light of, of, of what you say yes to and what you say no to, because not knowing yourself is such a weak foundation for, for living a, a, a good life, you know, and not knowing yourself can mean you start doing things that aren't you or that weren't necessary to do. And now you're scattered considering how, you know, there's so many things going on already. We, we need to simplify and, and that's knowing yourself and knowing what it is that you want to experience and, and staying aligned with that. It goes back to the way that we kicked off the podcast, right? Of knowing, like we said, knowing you, yourself really well. And I, within the baby bubble, it's just a reminder of uh, adaptability, intelligence. Of, yes, thank you. Thank you. Very, very proud dad here. Um, but it's just a reminder of the importance of uh, the AQ, the adaptability intelligence, because my sound morning routines are very disrupted now. And I was also up at quarter past four this morning, but I was uh, it was my turn to take the the baby so I could let my gorgeous wife have a few solid hours of sleep without any disturbances. But I still ensure that I get in all the things that you listed, except I don't do the Keeling meditation. I do my breathing work and I do other breath work very similar to a Wim Hof and, you know, doing the the journaling and things like that. But the adaptability of now, I can't have that. A lot of days I don't have that solid set time. So I know all these uh, non-negotiables that I'm going to fit in as early as I can in my day. And I also have cold showers. We're living in Sweden at the moment and the water out of the tap is six degrees. So it's absolutely perfect. So I do my breath work in the shower, but it doesn't happen straight away like it used to before the newborn came. But um, yeah. And I would judge myself and uh, I can't say hate, but I'd be disappointed if I didn't get it in. And then straight away, just become aware of that within and then doing those processes, coming back to, you know, just completely dropping that judgment, knowing where I will fit it in and knowing that my non-negotiables will happen, even if they don't happen exactly when I would want them to. And I think that's what I was would love to hear from you as well in terms of, because that's the reality that most of us live in, in terms of we don't, a lot of people won't get up that early or they might be out the door really early and they feel like they don't have time to do that. And I don't blame them if they're not getting to bed early enough because I would rather than prioritize sleep. So there's a whole reverse engineering that we could help them work on. However, what about during the day when you've got, you know, you've got things coming up, you know, you've got work to do, you know, you've got deadlines, but you've also got your commitments with your family. You've also got your gorgeous wife that you want to be connected to and treat from a place of empathy and all of these kind of things. But there's these triggers externally because the kids might throw your, timeline completely out of alignment or there's something else that jumps in that you didn't have a plan for how do you process those moments to not Um, be reactive like what we spoke about earlier it's good to have a strategy of self-care but not be so attached to it where you feel bad if you don't get to it um again the mind precedes everything so it's 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 good. And I've been in this place myself where I was doing all the routines, but I was so rigid with it. I, I wasn't experiencing um, the fullness of health because I'd lost feeling with it. I was too rigid. I was, took myself way too seriously. So now I, I have a lot of those good health routines on a physical level, but they, they never run over the top of my feeling of health and just self-care and just to sit there and, and like who I am and, and feel good about myself and, and, um, and have good emotion inside of me because emotion is life force energy. So it's great to have oxygenated blood, but it's even better to have happiness. So let's, let's um, do the time on oxygenating the blood, but let's do more time on happiness. Let's do more time on detaching from fear. Let's do the real work. 
Let's let's learn to become more present and not reactive and, and not dependent on gold medals or accolades or um, a, a, a perfect rigid routine um, to be happy because the outside world can give us temporary satisfaction. You know, that's it. Like you you do your morning routine, that's great, but that, well, what do you do tomorrow? <laughs> and or later someone, in the day. That's right. So when, when you get out of the shower, you know, you're cold, you, you can get a towel, you know, and you can put clothes on and you can warm up. But if um, in terms of the outside world, someone can give you that, you know, like someone can give you a jumper or they can give you a towel or they can give you money if you don't have any. But um, when it comes to the mind, you have to earn that yourself. So people need to take, in, in, you used the word before, radical. Um, let's just say they, they have to take responsibility and realize they are where they put themselves. So stop blaming your job and stop blaming outward circumstances and start taking some responsibility. You are where you put yourself. So you have free will. Get into this free will and realize who, who are you and how do you want to live? And, and that's what you want to align with. And if you don't, well, maybe there's some fear you need to look at, fear of letting someone down, fear of failure, or just fear of uh, not knowing where you're going because people fear change. And that's why they revert to habits. Like your friend who's the, the triathlon, I think you said, um, getting back into character. You're just getting back into brain function and following your habits because we would call it a comfort zone, even though you're not that comfortable, at least you know it right? So it becomes a default mechanism. So we, we want to, if we're going to evolve and continue to grow, we need to keep moving into new territory. That is the adaptation, the AQ, as you call it. Um, and, and that is how we adapt. So we, we don't do that if we keep repeating old habits. Uh, so be fearless, you guys, you know, like, what is it you really want to do in life? And who's important to you? And, and what's important to you? And, and you'll, you'll understand these things when you, when you develop self-awareness. As I say a lot, the self-awareness gives you purpose, you know, and we all need purpose. We, know we all need a reason for being. Um, goals will give you some kind of direction. Without goals, we, we're directionless, right? We're aimless. But without action there, there is no result so we, we need to follow that cycle and and um and and assess these results you know because we're we're constantly hopefully moving into new territory and and not feeling bad about it but just looking objectively at what it is that we're putting into motion and, and sensing how we can be better not just at what we do but who we are as people so um uh, do all those physical things that's going to be great but it's it's not going to um, help you understand who you are and it's not going to help you understand who you're not and that becomes a lot of the homework right is who you're not because that's what causes the problems is is being who you're not and and doing things that don't feel natural to you and without some form of self-study and self-awareness we just keep rolling out these programs without realizing what's running our life in this case into disharmony and into ill health um, because if there is ill health in the mind, there's going to be ill health in the body, you know, fear. It's, it's very easy to be overwhelmed, you know, and um, that's got this constant drip feed of cortisol and adrenaline and, and uh, it, it, it plugs up the system, you know, on a, on a chemical level where digestion's compromised, breathing's compromised. So this, uh, if, if we're going to experience health on a mental and a physical level and they, they, they mirror each other in this way, um, we, we need to uh, unplug the, the vascular nature of the body, you know, of toxins and of mucus and of inflammation and of uh, any kind of toxic buildup. But we need to do the same thing with the mind because most people's self-protection with the mind is to shut down, 
you know, and, and now we have a human that is shut down mentally and plugged up physically and that's no way to live. So we, we need to have a way to open the mind and that's what the Keeley does is helps you uh, really open your mind to uh, understand more. But at the same time, you learn detachment so you don't, you're not affected by what, what it is you're experiencing. If you're not affected by it, you're not controlled by it so you're not stressed. Stress happens, remember, because we can't handle the harshness of reality or because we can't handle a life situation. If you can't handle something, whether it's an acute form of stress or whether it's chronic, we become overwhelmed, we stress, we internalize that, and now we're just carrying more baggage. So we want to get to a place where um, our mind is open to everything and affected by nothing, um, where you open to the experience of life, you know, outwardly and inwardly, where, again, you know who you are and how you want to live. Um, and, and you have a form of self-protection, which is detachment. That's a mind that is open to the experience of life without being affected by it because, you know, you're a really positive guy. I could just sense it. But what's your, what's your protection from all the negativity in the world? There's a lot of it, <laughs> you know, and you, mm-hmm. you seem like you've got a lot of energy too. And you can keep going with the Wim Hof and all that. That's great. That'll give you a lot of energy. But um, there can be some mental triggers there too, you know, of, of – you know you're a positive person, but it um, it can trigger you if you're around someone that's negative. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why I wanted to. That that's what intrigues me the most is the triggers and how to actually handle them. Because what I'm hearing you say, based on that question that I asked you, is well, that's reality. Is life is always going to have all of those uh, potential triggers there, and it's not about in the moment. What do you do? It's about the 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 work that you've done on the front end. Same as athletes, they don't turn up to a competition and go, I haven't trained for a year or two, but I reckon I'm going to win this. They're doing all the work on the front end, nutritionally, uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, everything, all the little elements. So when they get there in the moment, all the pressures and all the triggers, the potential triggers, they aren't actually there for the ones that are trained really well. So it's the same for you in life where there's, yeah, there are all those potential external triggers are there. But the way that I navigate that from that deeper human behavioral, emotionally connected perspective is that I'm able to, you know, utilize my awareness and and understand that this is the reality that I'm in. And it's not actually a trigger unless I make it a trigger and you hit the nail on the head. I'm, I'm an optimistic lover of life and uh, I have a lot of energy and I love living that way. And I process triggers a lot where they don't affect me, but times they affect me and I get reactive like I'm human. And especially now when I'm a little bit sleep deprived and there's a lot of extra <laughs> things going on and, you know, I, I don't hide that fact. I vulnerably speak about it because, but what I come back to, and this is what I'm hearing from you is that I'm so grateful for the understanding and the awareness and the tools and the knowledge to allow those to not be a consistent behavior. And it happens and it comes out in my journaling and I reflect on it and I create clarity on it and then do the work again to ensure that it doesn't consistently play out. Yes. Well, if, you, if you've had a, 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 a disharmonious experience in life and, and let's, let's uh, call harmony understanding, disharmony non-understanding. So if you've had an, a, an experience you didn't understand, disharmonious, and, and you, you felt bad about it, you know, you were taught wrong and you've, you've internalized that, that forms inside the keely as an emotional button or an emotional trigger. So as soon as you have this external stimuli again, it, it triggers that button and it hits a trained response. Um, so what the keely does is you, you lose your buttons. There's nothing to trigger if the trigger's gone. Nothing. 
How do you lose it? What what actually happens? Detachment. So there's no other way around this. <laughs> you know, you can, uh, uh, but there is no other way except detachment. If there was, I'd be <laughs> teaching it or I'd be, you know, trying to understand it. But um, no, if something's gotten in, you need to find a way to detach from it so it doesn't have an effect on you anymore. Those who anger you control you, right? So if you've got a button that makes you angry, people can control you by pressing that button. But if you do this internal work and learn detachment and, and learn not to to feed it, you have self-control, You're, you, you, you sense it before it gets triggered and you don't allow that trigger to, to set off that negative behavior, um, then what happens is with you not feeding it, it, it consumes its own energy and it dissipates and it's, it, it leaves you. And it's the magic of the Keeley. It's, it's what every single person says. The hallmark of Keeley meditation is things that used to affect me no longer do. So obviously and, in the Keeley training, sorry to interrupt there, it it's not just about, like you said, the five-minute practice. It's the education and everything around it that you guys put into it. So when people learn it, you don't just say sit down and don't focus on anything for five minutes. You're obviously giving a lot of this education because when I hear you speak, I think, oh, that's similar to ways that we see it in terms of um, changing the meaning of past experiences and not to take away the significance of those experiences, but just to ensure that they're not having a meaning that is holding us back or becoming that emotional trigger like you, what you just alluded to. Yes. You, you get out of belief systems because they tend to be the blocks for people is belief systems, which is by definition an acknowledgement that you don't know. Otherwise, you wouldn't have to believe, right? So we, we create these belief systems which may be negative and have, have bad um, uh, consequences. So we, we need to, as the great Yoda says, unlearn what we have learned, right? <laughs> um, so what the Keeley does is it gives you not only a practice of, of stillness where you learn one-pointed stillness and you learn to meditate, albeit only for five minutes, um, but it also gives you an understanding. Um, so the basic principles of the Keeley serve as the anatomy of the mind, your conscious awareness is just wherever you direct your attention. It gives you a clear definition between brain function and mind function, between the thinking and the feeling process, but also dysfunction. How dysfunction manifests within the Keeley and forms as these emotional buttons that can cause disharmonious or inefficient behavioral traits. So if we're going to improve, it doesn't matter what your craft is, whether we call it dad, husband, coach. Uh, it's not just about learning things that we haven't experienced yet or learning things things that could make us understand the world more and, and help us to help ourselves or to help others like to find the missing, you know what I mean? Because we, if we're ignorant of something, then we don't know. There might be something there that could really help you, but if you don't know about it, then you're going to be compromised. So we need to, to, to learn and find all these missings, but we also need to be very diligent and it's so humbling is to face your blocking, you know, to face your own fears. And that becomes the most worthy of all um, adversaries is our own fear within. So it's kind it of like, us. it seems like Keely is a little bit like yoga where people think, go do the yoga. I'm on the mat. That's my yoga practice. But the yoga is so much more than that. And it's about the way of being and it's a mindset and it's the breathing. And it just so happens that everyone knows yoga as the the practice on the mat. So the Keely practice has so much more behind it and so much more of that education and that science behind it as well. Yes. Yeah. Because yoga is really the first of the holistic training methods, <laughs> isn't mm. it? Um, you know, it's the yoga means union between the mind and the body, but the yogis knew the heart of yoga was meditation. Have you heard that quote before? 
Well, I missed that. Sorry. They knew that the heart of yoga is meditation. Okay. But it's become a, a, a um, most of what we see in the world now is, is body yoga, not, not mind yoga. Mm, right. Sure, yep. Because again, it gets back. Remember we were at the, the beginning, we were talking about doing versus being, mm. you know, brain doing mind being. So um, we have a doing nature and that's part of our, you know, back to again the appreciation of being alive and that we have a body and i can move and i can ride waves and i can dance and not very well mind you um <laughs> my wife I'm with you there. To <laughs> can, can attest to that but um we we can experience this world with this gift of physicality and physical senses but we also have the sixth sense our ability to sense energy and emotion and this is eq and you know before i talked about the 80 20 principle and you know 20% is iq intelligence 80% is eq um emotion that's life force energy wisdom presence that's all in the eq category so what's the point of having all this knowledge if we don't have any wisdom to direct it and again, like yoga has, has got its roots in meditation, but it's grown into most of what I see out there is because you can go and get a degree over a weekend, right? And, and you're um, slap on a pair of tights and you're a yoga teacher. <laughs> and it's a great exercise, mind you. And there's, I, this is not to um, take anything from away that the people that are, that are, that are teaching it harmoniously, but um because I, I, I would never want to do that um, sincerely, but uh, mind-body connection, yoga is the union between the mind and the body. You, you are a dualistic creature. You have emotion, you know, and that emotion is going to affect this child that's in the world right now. And, you know, so what kind of emotion do you have? Because he's, he's he, little boy? Uh, first one was a boy. The newborn is a girl. And a girl, beautiful. Um, they they feel you. You're their feeling of safety right now when they're that young, right? So if you're on edge or if you're in stress, so are they because you're their point of safety and you're their, their second point until they learn their own free will, until they learn to have, um, you know, gradually more independence and, and, and see the world for themselves. So it's very important that the home environment is stable and is safe. Um, if you're in a stress state, then by definition, you don't feel safe. And guess who else feels that? Your children. Mm. So this is important work, you guys. This is not just about your work and about your performance. This is about your children. This is about the world evolving to to get out of fear-based living and, and, and unnecessary self-created stress and learn to live in harmony, you know, with each other. And if we're going to do that, it has to start with ourselves. You mentioned beliefs there before and beliefs are some of the hardest things for people to change. What's a, what's a big belief of yours that you've shifted in uh, recent time or over the years that was, that you were pretty sound on thinking, now this is, I believe this, this is the truth, but you've, you're exposed to new things in the world and have shifted those beliefs or that particular belief. Um, I, uh, it's been a while to be honest. Um, that's mainly sign. for the, yeah, that's that's a nice self-acknowledgement, um, mainly for the fact that the last real one was a, a, a realization not to have belief systems at all. So, oh. that I, I, yeah, I don't. I'm not guided by belief systems anymore. I just, you know, because sometimes people ask me, you know, like I might have a student or a client say, "What's your belief around this?" And I'll generally say, "I don't have belief systems. I either know or I don't." So just go ahead and ask. <laughs> so does and that I'll mean leave. that? What what do you deliver then? Is that an a, if it's not a belief, is it just a, a perspective? 
understanding. What if you don't understand? If then I've got nothing someone. to tell them. Okay. So you'll just say, well, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't understand that. Yeah, and I'll shoot it up the line and ask my mentor. Okay. <laughs> he usually will. Um, yeah, so I just, I, th- I think, we, wouldn't the world be a much better place if we got out of this world of opinions and, and what we think and stop thinking out loud and, and, and just talk from knowing? Um, and and, and, and to, to, to do that, we need to know what we know and know what we don't know. Um, and, well, I think uh, that's the hard part about beliefs is that people speak what they think they know and that's what becomes uh, their belief, but it's not necessarily the truth. It's just their truth. They're thinking it, right? So they don't know. And the brain function is, is we think what we don't know. We feel what we do. So, um, yeah, when, when the world starts to get the anatomy of the mind and, and you know, and, and, and start to realize, I mean, look at what belief systems have done in the world. Mm. You know, isn't oh. that a bit of a drop? Mike moment, um, people are crazy about belief systems. They defend them to the death. Um, when you really understand something, you don't need to defend it. The truth doesn't need defending, you know, like it just is. And it's sufficient onto itself. But if, if um, belief systems become very problematic, so m- my advice there and my understanding is just don't have them. You either know or you don't. So let's let's become... Uh, more understanding as human beings and, and know, let's seek knowing, let's seek understanding, not, not belief systems, um, you know, that we can impress people at the pub with. Can you create a little bit of clarity? Because you said we think what we don't know, we feel what we do know. What about if we feel angry and we feel like a victim? but that's not the truth. That's just a state of mind that we're in because of the thoughts that we're having are they don't understand that I'm stressed and I'm busy and they still want me to do X, Y, and Z. I feel angry. I feel like a victim. You feel the anger. That's what's happening. But the, the story is a self-created one. You, you're in your head creating the story, but the feeling is real. You're angry. So what's the differentiation there between what you do then and knowing, or is it that there's a link there's, that you not, you must know the feeling and you must know where it's coming from in terms of the thoughts. So when people are experiencing, because I'm, I'm trying to get my head around this, no belief systems, I see where you're coming from, but for everyone listening that, that attachment to what we believe, uh, the link between how we think, feel and behave. So the. Um, yeah. If someone's triggered you and there's an angry response, um, to, to blame them is quite pointless, you know, because you're looking for their improvement. So you're not going to have any. Um, so it's really is pointless. And, and how's that been going? You know, <laughs> every time you blame someone and, and comment or opinionate on how much better they should be for you, did they change? You know, and, and are you, do you have any control over that? No, you don't. So let's be humble here and say, okay, I, this is my homework because I got angry here. That's not a belief system. I felt that directly. You know, I got triggered. So I'm, I'm humble about that. And I realize I've, I've got something to look at here. I've got some homework. Um, you lose the, any kind of uh, belief system or any kind of um, like the belief system might be that it's their fault. So you, you lose that. That's, that's the inefficient um, behavior associated with this particular fear. You realize the fear is there and it's producing anger. You lose any, uh, you detach from any uh, behavior associated with it and you start to understand what's the origin of this? What's this doing in me? Where did it come from? And that's when you can start to, to um, alleviate it or detach from its origin, from its source. And um, 
that's the way to do it. Mm, that's and I love it when you get when you see the the breakthroughs with people when they start to do that and completely detach from that and realize, oh shit, that's just this whole belief system rigid rigid like tree stump with inside of me it just starts to to break away and then doesn't have those emotional triggers like what you said yeah i never get tired of watching that light bulb moment in people you know when they they put two and two together or they you know which is a metaphor really that's an intellectual process but when that light turns on inside of them and i feel like that's our role as a coach or as a teacher is to help people find that light within them Mm. um and to to be diligent with what dims that which is mostly fear and belief systems and inefficient all the you know all that stuff that interferes yeah, absolutely. Mate, we could talk for hours, but I'm very mindful <laughs> of your time and know that you've got uh, two young boys and a beautiful wife to get to at the end of your day. It's just the beginning of my day here in Sweden. But before we wrap up, I, I did want to ask a quick question. What if something that quickly comes to mind, what's a what's a mistake you've made or somewhere where you've stuffed up in your past of uh, through through coaching or something in life that you look back on now and say, oh shit, that was uh, not pretty stupid, but wow, that was a pretty, um, a big mistake or a big, a big stuff up in my life. But I can look at that from a different perspective now. Yeah. Great question. Let me take a moment so I can give you a, a worthy response. Um, God, I could give you a top 20, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should speak generally and, and, um, uh, um, I, I feel like some of my big stuff ups through, if we're going to use that terminology through my teenage years, which became habitualized was always feeling like I had to prove myself, you know, which was a, a very egoic way of being for me because we grow up in this family model. that's very competitive and certainly society perpetuates it. Um, so I, I felt like I always had to prove myself, you know, and, and um, always had to be, you know, like right and the winner and stuff like that. And I, it, it didn't um, help me treat people well and it didn't help me um, become a better person. So I, that's probably, you can't say anything's a regret because, you know, I, I, if you don't know better, you don't know better, but I'm, I'm very happy that I've learned from that. I'm very happy that, um, you know, like my dear friends have, like, uh, you know, like can, could see me beneath all of that bravado that, you know, sometimes we all carry and pretend that we're better than we actually feel. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative that I kind of had the courage to, to realize that's wrong and, and I'm, this is not working. And I had to find a more harmonious way of, of, um, of living, but, I mean, at the same time, I've, I'm still a geek with high performance and with, you know, being uh, living life at, at the highest possible level I, get, I can. I just refuse to do it um, um, outside of being dis, uh, of being harmonious now. Love it. Mate, where can people learn more about you? Where's the best place to go to get all the information about Keely Meditation or anything else that you're up to? And and is there anything else that you've got going on at the moment that people can look forward to? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, we have a retreat coming up soon. So if anyone's in Australia because, you know, with COVID and all that, you'll probably have to already be in Australia. But Kate and I... Um, Kate's my wife is teaching the meditation now too and doing a great job and and um 
uh, and also a yoga teacher. So we're doing a, a, a Keeley sort of yoga surf retreat in Crescent Head in June, awesome. which will be great. So I'll, you know, do a bit of, we'll, we'll teach everything from uh, elite surfers to beginners. We've got the local surf school there to help us out there as well. So that's in um, June. Uh, my great buddy, Taylor Knox, pro surfer from the States, who actually introduced me to the Keeley. He and I do these uh, tours every year, but we're supposed to be in the Maldives in August, but I, that doesn't look uh, likely, but <laughs> certainly next year and, and the years after, we'll be doing our tours, which we'll be teaching surfing and Keeley because he he's a great um, uh, example of Keeley meditation and 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 you know um, can teach it. That's for sure. So yeah, we'll be doing tours over the coming years, and you know if you're close, we can you know you can just check out my website. is probably the best way to see the latest of what's going on. Just my name mattgriggs.com.au Awesome. I'll link all that up in the show notes. And uh, for everyone listening, you can just jump on and click the hyperlink there and check out everything that, that Maddie's up to. Mate, do you have two minutes? I forgot to ask you this before we recorded to jump on and do a quick Instagram live bonus question. Sure. Yeah, cool. So we'll, for everyone listening, just a reminder that we, you can jump on to, so if you're not watching it live, obviously this podcast that you're not listening to it while it was live, but the recording will be on my Instagram TV and I'll tag Maddie in it too. So maybe he'll share it on there on his um, and you can get, get the the bonus question there, which is actually going to involve a bit of a laugh. So Maddie doesn't know what it is. But <laughs> got good, me giggling. Yeah, that good old giggle that you can hear from him now. I'm sure it will happen as soon as I drop the, the question to him. But, mate, Maddie, you're a legend. You're an inspiring and, and connected bloke and you can, you, you're showing that there's consistency, uh, there's the ability to be consistent in making this world a better place. And I want to thank you for your time and just want to say, keep shining your impactful light to the world, my man. Oh, thanks, Robbo. Um, I really appreciate that. And yeah, you keep your uh, positivity up. You know, the world could certainly be uh, infected with that right now. <laughs> thanks, mate. I appreciate it. <laughs> thanks for having me on. There you go, a super connected, humble, and impactful soul. Make sure you follow Griggsy online and check out his upcoming events and also his Keely meditation courses, which are done online. Please share this episode if you find it valuable so we can help Matt's community and everyone globally make an impact in their lives. And also reach out and let me know if you thought this episode was valuable. As I always say, I love hearing from you listeners. As mentioned in the intro too, don't forget I've got plenty of free resources around breathing, mindset, breaking through fear of failure, fear of judgment and procrastination and three key areas that busy entrepreneurs and leaders are focusing on to give them more quality time and energy, better relationships and thriving businesses or careers. So you can find that at brettrobbo.com or on my social media platforms reach out with any questions if you have any trouble finding those and as always remember this is your life journey your life of impact